Hello there ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast it's a football podcast. We're going over last week's games, talking all the news and predicting next week's games. It's pretty much what you want from a football podcast, I would imagine. Before we get started, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. Leave a review where you can leave a review. And the big one there is share the podcast around. If you've got a football fan in your life, send them this podcast. You never know, they might even thank you for it. Right, let's get started, here we go. This is CookieCast, the football podcast. Recording in progress. Sorry, didn't see you there. Are you sitting comfortably? Then yes, let us begin. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, another week of the Cookie Cast Podcast Network, bringing you some fantastical football updates from the world of Middlesbrough, Hull City, Nottingham Forest, and at the moment, Chelsea Football Club. Will that change? Who knows? Obviously, I can't do this alone. Uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, you'll see three other smiling, happy faces sat there with uh, with me. So obviously, Mr. Cook, Mr. Woodbenstein, Mr. Moore, how are we all doing this week, fellas? Oh, grand. Delightful. Oh, uh, Matt's, Matt's, Matt's on Matt, mute. Matt's, Matt's on mute. That's how, that's how Matt's doing. He's like, I can't be asked with this. Yeah, I was, <laughs> what I was saying was, every time we start the thing... A little thing says, do you want to leave the meeting or are you okay with being here? And never have I wanted to click leave the meeting more than just then. Ah, oh, he doesn't mean it, ladies and gentlemen. I do. He loves my witty repartee. Um, oh, so. Only it was. <laughs> <laughs> Week 25 brought with it four games. Um, we started the week on Friday and on Sky as we had the week previous where Sunderland were taking on Hull City. Now, the previous week on Friday didn't end so well from a Hull perspective. Were things better this time around Mr. Woodmansey? If you watch the performance, absolutely not. Um, did any of you guys actually see any of this? I had it on, I had it on in the background but I was at a friend's house, so... Okay, so uh, I will I will start by saying that the first half was possibly duller than six-week-old dishwater. It was turd. Um, it, it wasn't worth watching. Neither team really did much of anything, apart from Hull, who seemed to have a bee in their bonnet about let's get as many yellow cards as we possibly can. Um, it was a weekend whereby there was a break in uh, one half of the Premier League fixtures. So some of the Premier League referees were on their jollies, away down in the Championship, earning a bit of extra spends. And uh, we got one of those on Friday night for the televised game, and he was not wrong in giving those cards, but was very happy to do so. It was like, oh, he's the, he was the Oprah Winfrey of uh, yellow card giving. Um, yeah. 
just to, to top that off as well, not only did Hull get five yellow cards in the first half, they did get another two in the second. Um, like I say, the ref was fairly fair on the whole, although um, the how is it described? I guess these days the the tactical foul as one team breaks away, blazes over the halfway line. Um, well, Regan Slater did that for us um, in terms of blazed over the halfway line to be pulled back by Equa for um, Sunderland. Apparently that went unpunished, but when Hull did it, you have a yellow card, pal. Um, interestingly enough, Equa did get booked in the second half for pretty much the same thing. Um, so therefore, should he have even been on the pitch at that point? Anyway... Um, like I say, first half was rubbish, absolutely rubbish. Couldn't have been any more rubbish if they'd have tried. Um, but the second half got much better for Sunderland, for the most part, because Hull got absolutely battered. Um, they had more possession. Um, they had 15 shots um, across the course of the game to Hull's two. Um they got 12 corners, and I'm pretty sure eight of them were in the last 10 minutes of the match, which was just nuts. Um, it, it was a barrage. However, on around the 70-minute mark, Hull got a corner when the ball went out behind the goal off Billy Sharp. So work that out, as you may. Um, and, and of course, when things like that go wrong, there seems to be this tendency that uh, a team will then concede so they have something to be extra aggrieved about and that was just the case so the cross, the cross comes in from the corner it was cleared out to the wing where Tyler Morton collected it crossed it back in and in his second appearance for the Tigers Fabio Cavallio on loan from Liverpool so one Liverpool loanee crossing to another um, smashed it on the volley slight deflection and straight in the top corner and um, if you, it was going, it it was going goalward anyway. So it was still given as a Cavalio goal on seventy-one minutes. Um, and yeah, I, I mentioned that um, Sunderland had fifteen shots across the game. Only three of them were on target. Hull managed two shots for the full game, and both of those were on target. So I guess uh, it, it's that age-old thing of boils down to taking your chances, um, and they bloody well needed to because. Um, it's one of those occasions where Hull played badly, which hasn't happened very much of late, I'm pleased to say. But if you can play badly and win, um, I will absolutely take that. Any day of the week, and apparently on a Friday at the moment, it seems to be. so. Very much so. So, smash and grab 1-0 Hull win. Predictions-wise from the podcast, Stuart gone for a 1-0. Sunderland win with Bellingham to score, so he gets no points. I had gone with a nil-nil. So for about 70-odd minutes, I was on the money. Um, no point to me. Matt had gone for a 1-1 draw. Bellingham and Carvalho to score. So I guess another bonus point for the goal scorer. He's done it again, ladies and gentlemen. Captain Cook. 1-0. Hull City win. Two points. Sadly, didn't predict the goal scorer correct. I just get the two points there. So Andy with two points. Matt with one. Myself. And Mr. Woodbussey yet to score. Our second game of the week saw my boys, Middlesbrough, taking on Rotherham United. And this one uh, started in, uh, in typical Borough fashion. At home, well, but certainly at home. Um, first half opens up. 
Borough have most of the possession, have uh, most of the chances of putting the team on the back foot for the majority of the game. Um, but as is always the case, struggle to break them down. Uh, played out that way, there was a couple of chances. I remember from the highlight seeing that Sam Greenwood had a shot from a corner uh, where the ball was played out to him on the edge of the box. He had a bit of a rasping drive that the, uh, the keeper had to parry away. Um, and as always seems to be the case with Borough, they don't take their chances and were punished in the second half when uh, a ball was cleared upfield in the path of ex-Borough striker Jordan Hugel, who um, slipped the ball into the uh, the path of, um, I believe, ex-Nottingham Forest player Cathu, who uh, plays for Rotherham United now, uh, who found himself on the edge of the box on the left-hand side, who very, very calmly and composedly slipped the ball under uh, to, um, the, the Borough keeper Tom Glover to make it 1-0 to Rotherham. Um, so obviously Borough on the back foot there. Um, they did manage to equalise, however, uh, a little bit longer, a little bit later in the second half, when um, Hayden Hackney played a ball into Morgan Rogers on the edge of the box. Uh, Rogers controlled the ball and then managed to back heel it into the path of Marcus Force, who would come on uh, early in the first half for an injury to Isaiah Jones, which would uh, which would then subsequently keep him out of the uh, the Carabao Cup semi-final against Chelsea, which we'll come on to talk about in a few moments. Uh, but Force kept his composure and smashed the ball past the Rotherham goalkeeper for 1-1. And that's how it stayed, uh, unfortunately, from a Borough perspective. Not not really ideal. Rotherham seemed to have become a team that they very much struggled to break down in the last couple of games. That, that's that's uh, four games on the spin now where they've not been able to beat them. Um, becoming a bit of a... Uh, Bit of a bogey side, unfortunately. Um, and from a podcast, uh, from a podcast perspective, a bogey side, very much a bogey game. Everyone had gone for a middles for a win. Uh, no one had even given Rotherham a goal in that particular uh, that particular score. Uh, Matt had one nil Greenwood. Stu had two nil Crooks and Rogers. Andy had two nil Rogers and Crooks. I had three nil Rogers Greenwood. And fours. So I do want to say it was like a bonus point for the goal scorer, but no points for anything else in that one. So I'm off the mark. Just you left to score after two games. Our third game of the week took us to London, where um, Brentford were taking on Nottingham Forest. I say Brentford. The way that everyone was um, making this up in the uh, lead-up to the game, it seemed as though it was Ivan Tony taking on the Nottingham Forest entirely on his own. Was that the case, Matt? Or, or Jesus Christ himself had descended to yeah. take the form of Ivan Tony to score goals for Brentford and save us all as well. You know. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy, I think, is uh, <laughs> to, to use the phrase <laughs> or something else. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, that... The build-up to the game was absolutely ridiculous you would have thought I think I mean I think if a player would have if, if he you know kind of referring to one of our other um, podcasts if both of his um, ligaments in, in both legs ACLs MCLs BCLs whatever they got there it all exploded all in one catastrophic moment then 
yeah, fair enough. Give him the kind of this week of interviews to be to say, oh yeah, I'm definitely staying at the club, and t- un- unless a big club comes in for me, and then I might have to go because you know I want to further my career, and you know to play in front of seventeen thousand people isn't really the pinnacle of my career. Um, to then kind of yeah, so uh, yeah, the whole kind of sky thing around him was absolutely ridiculous. And kind of contrast that. I don't, you know. Of course, I'm going to blow the trumpet of a player of my own club. But contrast that. Contrast that with Harry Toffolo, who it came out had placed amongst his other bet, amongst his bets, his bets were twenty five pence accumulators, um, generally betting on his own side to win. So it wasn't even like he was throwing games, kind of thing. Who's been like apologetic, contrite. Um, has joined a mental health kind of initiative with Forrest and like said how dark it was and like how it had been awful for his kids to go to school and for, like obviously kids had said obviously the the kids that were going to speak to his kids obviously had twat parents that said oh go and tell go and tell go and have a go at Toffolo's kids because uh, his dad's a cheat and bets on football um who, but it's kind of like said it was a really dark time. No, no. Um, so yeah, the game started really well for Forest. Uh, Danilo scored in the fourth minute with a, a, a quite wonderful volley, which looped into the right-hand corner of the goal, as it were. Um, and Forest kind of settled in a little bit, then gave a free kick away on the edge of the box. Um, now. I'm sure you guys have heard the ridiculous kind of debate about this. The amount of ex-players that are like, oh, it's just clever. It's cheating because it's the same way as, you know, when like you're marking your work at school and you're marking in a certain colour pen. Oh, but then you sneakily get the the colour pen that you were using to do your work. That's what he did when he moved the ball a yard, maybe two and then nicked a bit of the ref's um, foam thing to go, I, I didn't move the ball, this is definitely where the line was, kind of thing. Now, that bit's cheating, or gamesmanship, or clever, or whatever, you know, Alan Shearer, Gary Neville, whichever twat has decided that they've up Ivan Tony's arse this week. The second bit is, it is thoroughly on Forrest that he got away with it. Because... Stood in the wall. It's someone we regularly refer to as shit house. Why was he not going and stood in front of the ball straight away? I'm sorry. The moment you see him move the ball, you go and stand on it and go to the ref. Hang on a minute. He's moved the ball here, you know, and just don't let him take the free kick. Yes, they needed to move the they need the 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 wall wasn't good enough that he should have moved the wall, all that kind of thing. But. Probably should have kicked up a stink about that. Not kicked up a stink after the game like they did right into the PGA, PGMOL or whatever they are. Yeah. We Are we not in the realms of this was a league game? So therefore, aren't there a team of elves with screens that can spot not allowed, clear and obvious errors? They're not allowed to, they're not allowed to, to, to do anything about that. Oh, that's, that is so wrong though. Like, so Forrest did write to the the match the match officials association, asking them 
why was nothing done about it? And they were because they had him to score on their bet. That's why. Well, and, but this is the thing. It's like now you've seen these articles going. Oh, clubs, clubs writing to and complaining to the match officials about it is setting a dangerous precedent. What that they might get, they might get decisions right. Is that is that what the dangerous president's going to be? That they actually kind of take some care and attention to make sure they get the to get the result the the decisions right. You know, it's just what gets me is that the referee will have a shit fit if someone dares to tap a rolling ball five yards to his teammate in his own half. But we can't take that care and attention to make sure that. A guy that's a very dangerous free t- free kick taker was actually taking the free kick from the spot where it was actually blown. Uh, it was just and this whole ex referee thing on telly is the biggest waste of time because they are they just sit there and go ah yeah they were right. So either somebody's got in their ears and said you better not go on fucking telly and tell say that we've been doing things wrong, or they're just. Uh, you know, they, they're just apologising, apo- being apologetic for people getting things wrong. The only thing, the only thing worse than former officials um, apologising for their current officials on telly is Mark Clattenburg on that new version of Gladiators. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> he can't even do a good Scottish accent to get him kicked off, can he? To be fair, no, honestly, it's terrible. Um, so yeah, Ivan Tony equalised for Brentford. Um. Yeah, poor, poor, a poor wall, poor goalkeeping. Um, it's something underlying under Forest that the, the goalkeepers aren't very good. Um, Ben, they're moving to second half. Ben, me scored a header. There's been a lot of criticism of the defending of it. I just thought it was a good header. I, I, I just saw it. I thought that's a good header. That you know, there's not much you can do about. He's he's got a run to head it, and Danilo's got a standing start. Well. He's already taller than him, and he's got a run and jump ahead of him. I, I, I didn't really have that much of it. So, Murillo, Murillo. Um, Boris came back pretty quickly with a reply from Chris Wood. Um, a nice glance in header. He's in really good form. And then, uh, but annoyingly, Neil Mope scored the winner. Um, again, VAR checked it. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't see many balls drop from the air the way the ball dropped from his chest um, the way it did but um, fine so yeah Forrest end up losing 3-2 um, and of course with Forrest fans being the way they are chicken licking and all that and the sky's falling in um, it's, a, it's a disaster which to be honest I think 3-2 away at Brentford with all the hype that was coming with the match is not catastrophic result. One thing I would say is that is in two in a season and a half um, in the Premier League, that is Forrest's 10th 3-2 defeat. Bloody hell. <clears throat> I suppose the one thing from like a neutral perspective is like there's always going to be entertainment if Forrest are involved, I suppose. From that, from that um, from a predictions perspective um the, the the two uh, the two results that were the furthest away in terms of goals were Stu's one nil to Brentford with Tony to score, so he gets himself two points. Um, Andy had one nil Forest, so no result uh, no result. But did have Wood 
to score. So he gets himself a bonus point for the goal scorer. Um, I had a 2-1 Forest win. Um, so didn't get the result right, but I did have Tony Wood and Danilo to score. So I got myself three points for that. Um, Matt, however, had obviously taken Andy's Nostradamus glasses and had predicted a 3-2 Brentford win. Um, he also had Tony and Wood to score in the game. So that was uh, only four points for this particular game. So, Stu finally off the mark with two points. Um, Andy has three for the week. I have four, and Matt is in the lead with five. Our final game of the week saw Chelsea, technically Mr. Cook's team, take on Middlesbrough. Technically my team. <laughs> not technically. I'm not getting away from it, am I? They, they're clearly my team. 100% your um, team. And, and sadly, you can't abandon your boys when they're at their lowest. And that probably was about 40 minutes into this game, sadly, as um, Middlesbrough went into this game knowing it was probably their most important game since they played Brighton on the last day of the 2015-16 season, knowing that a draw would see them promoted to the Premier League. They went into this one knowing that a draw, or anything other than a Chelsea victory, would send them through to their first final since the... uh, UEFA Cup final of 2006. Sadly, it wasn't to be. They um, started off the game quite well, actually. They, uh, they they set the tempo for about three minutes. Uh, and Chelsea somewhat on the back foot. Um, everything was going according to plan until around the 10th minute. Uh, when Chelsea opened the scoring through a very, very unfortunate Johnny Housen own goal. Um Housen was playing in a sort of a hybrid holding midfield slash auxiliary centre-half role. Um, and in trying to play two roles, he kind of played neither. Yeah, I would agree with that. They, they picked, like Gary Neville picked up on that on the, the match commentary as well. And yeah. it, it seemed, it, it, in, in theory, it's quite a simple thing in the sense of when we're going forward, you're not in defence. When we're defending the ball, you drop back and help out. And he just found himself time and time again leaving that gap and pretty much just spent the first half exposing them and, you know, topped that off from the very beginning by a lovely finish into the bottom left-hand corner, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was the first goal. That obviously made the tie level. One became two after 29 minutes when Enzo Fernandez found himself free in the box, which was ironic, as I'm pretty sure Johnny Housen was told to stick to him like blue. And, um, uh, yeah, that was that was 2-1 Chelsea ahead in the tie. Two very quickly became three on 36 minutes when Axel de Sassi was played through um, on the right-hand side of the box and uh, rather leathered it past the goalkeeper uh, to make it 3-2. Uh, to make it 3-2, I wish it was 3-2. To make it 3-0 on the night, 3-1 on aggregate. 3 became 4 um, when Borough were punished for trying to play out from the back. Again, for uh, what felt like the fourth, third or fourth time of the evening. Um, 
Hayden Hackney received the ball from Dan Barlasa, tried to play it back to Barlasa, who seemed to forget what you're supposed to do with your legs um, and decided to do some sort of gymnastics. Can't really explain it. Um, Cole Palmer ended up with the ball and uh, managed to tuck it away, which he didn't do in the first leg whilst inside the box to make it 4 0. Um, I mean, the tie was pretty much over at three, so it was definitely over at four, but we did manage to get into half time at four. A um, couple of changes at half time for either side. It kept it at bay for a little bit longer. Um, Cole Palmer added a fifth in the 77th minute. Noni Madweke made it six in the 81st minute. Um, by the way that he was making out at that point, though, you'd think he was being held together by like tape and spit. Like, oh, he had he had been uh, he had been writhing on the floor as if he'd been separated from his limbs by I don't know, like a wheat thresher or something like that. I, um, I'm thinking more of a blunt teaspoon. By the way, he was going well. But yeah, Midwaki made it uh, when it's six, which at the time was the uh, heaviest second leg um, League Cup defeat in history. Um, but Middlesbrough managed to uh, to get a goal back. Uh, Morgan Rogers with I, w- I would I would say that uh, as as Matt Matt pointed out in our little uh, group chat, probably the finish of the the goal of the game. Uh, Morgan Rogers picked the ball up on the left hand side. Um, ran at the defender, cut into, cut inside, um, and with very little backlift, just uh, angled the ball into the bottom right corner of the uh, of the net, past the keeper, gave the keeper no chance. Added another couple of million pounds onto his asking price that uh, Aston Villa were uh, uh, sniffing around after him. So yes, that's where the game finished. I've written in my book: Chelsea six, Middlesbrough one, and in brackets, sob. sod. <laughs> Chelsea thing is, it just shows how many players they've signed. Because I did not like some of them. Some of the names popped up, and I was like, "Nope, did not know they played for them." I, don't, I didn't know who they were for starters, and also didn't know that they played for them. The guy with the yeah. shit hair in the middle was um, Raheem Sterling, um, former England player. Definitely, definitely not trying to do a different Craig David hairstyle every time he turns up. <laughs> Yeah, obviously not the way that um, all the Borough fans had envisaged this one going. Um, I think you kind of have to roll your hands up at times and just say you were beaten by a better team. They very much played into that by giving the ball away very, very carelessly on several occasions in their own half. Um, yeah, fair enough. You can get away with it once. Once you're not, once you've not got away with it twice. You need to adapt. You need to adopt your approach and just change the way that you play out. Fair enough. You can't always just go and bray, like absolutely braid the ball upfield. But maybe every now and again, don't put your centre half under absolute pressure when you've got Raheem Sterling breathing down his neck and his and his and he's facing your own goal. Maybe just a thought. Um, like I said, not the way that not the way that every Borough fan wanted the uh, the, the game to end. Um, it was a great cup run. They got to the semi-final of the, of the league cup. Um, I think I think it's difficult when the cost of the team that you're playing could literally buy your whole club. Yeah, is that unfair? I don't know, that's a bit unfair. Well, like, 
the you know the the <laughs> price of the talent on their their eleven. Yeah, you know. Well, or, as I said, let, last let's time. put let's put it this way: they they're two, they're two in midfield of uh, Enzo Fernandez and Moses Caicedo combined. Probably cost what Middlesbrough have spent on transfers this decade, or in the last ten years. Like I said, the, the, I think I said last night, the price of your squad would probably buy the left nut of, of Enzo Fernandez. <laughs> yes, I'll just go through the, uh, the, the the podcast predictions. Andy was the most optimistic, as is always the case. He had gone with a one 0 Middlesbrough win. Sadly, no points for him. Had gone with fours to get the goal. Um, Stuart gone for a 2-0 win, Sterling and Palmer, so he gets a bonus point for the Palmer goal. Myself and Matt had both gone for 3-1 Chelsea wins. Uh, we both picked fours as the Middlesbrough goal scorer. I had Palmer, Sterling and Fernandez, so two bonus points for me. Matt had Sterling, Gallagher and Palmer, so just gets the one bonus point. So, three points for me, two points apiece for Stuart and Matt, zero points for Andy, which means that as uh, rounding out the week, Andy, three points from four games. Stu, four points from four games. Myself and Matt tied seven points from four games. What that does mean, ladies and gentlemen, is we've come to the end of another book. What? You've been good, sir. I'll stick you in the pile. We get fresh book for week 26. I know what you're thinking. You want me to open this up right now? No, no, no. We're going to take a little break before I open this puppy up and we get some new predictions in there. You won't need to go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back in your feed before you can say Chelsea-Liverpool AFL Cup final. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Recording in progress. Just like that, we are right back at it. So, week 25, done and dusted. Week 26 brings with it three games and not a single one of them contains Middlesbrough or Hull City. This is FA Cup fourth round weekend and as we know from the previous podcast, neither Middlesbrough nor Hull have made it this far in the competition. So we just have Nottingham Forest and Chelsea games to go through. Weekend off for me and Stu as it were. Our first game is Friday night in Bristol, a place where Mr. Cook knows all too well. I don't think he's ever been. Uh, Bristol City versus Nottingham Forest. It is obviously Mr. Matthew Moore's team. He will go last. I'll jump in here. I have gone for a 2-1 Forest win. Wood and Danilo to score for Forest. Conway for Bristol. Stupid, what have they got for this one? Having had the misfortune of watching Bristol beat West Ham, um, I've gone for a 1 1 draw. Um, I've got Wood for Forest, and I've got Knight for Bristol City. So when you said I've got Wood, I didn't know if you were giving us your prediction or just announcing it to the world. Trouser status. I mean, it's a reason. It's a reason to get yourselves on YouTube and watch along, if nothing else. One hundred percent, Andrew. Uh, I have got uh, written down nil two, so Forest win by two goals. Uh, I also have Wood 
And I have uh, my favourite Simpsons character, Hudson Adoidoi. That's a new one on me. Uh, go on, Matt, how do you see this one playing out? Do you see progression uh, in the book or not? No. Um, I, I've gone for a 2-1 Bristol City win. I just think okay. there's a lot of prima donnas in the Forest team and they think they're going to turn up. I think they'll think they're going to turn up at Bristol City and just win, uh, which they won't. Uh, I've gone for Conway and Gardner Hickman. Bristol City and uh, yeah also I have picked Wood for Forest for those keeping score that is a Wood clean sweep otherwise known as a Forest uh, our second game takes us to Chelsea Andrews T boo boo that, that boo boo Versus Aston Villa. Technically, had Borough pulled their finger out, this would have been Chelsea versus Middlesbrough for the second time in the space of four days. I don't think I could have taken that beating more. Uh, so thanks, thanks Villa. Thanks for uh, putting this out, uh, out of our misery. Um, Andy's team, therefore he will go last. Uh, Matt, what have you got for Chelsea Villa? I've gone for a similar kind of thing. Chelsea 2, Villa 1. Not very often. Uh, I've got Sterling and Palmer for Chelsea and Watkins for Villa. It's not very often that I'll cheer for Villa, but I hope Villa win because Chelsea are slowly climbing up on their dislike list. It's amazing what uh, spending a billion pounds will uh, do to uh, fellow football fans. Uh, Stu, what have you got for Chelsea Villa? I've actually got the same result as my previous prediction, so a 1-1 draw. Um, I've got Fernandez for Chelsea, and I don't like predicting this guy, but he's he's got a knack for the shithousery, so you, from that you may guess I have picked McGinn. What, is he going to use his tremendously massive arse to just like deflect it into the goal or something? Honestly, he... He is one of the I find the most irritating footballers to watch. He, he he seems to have no natural coordination whatsoever, but yet somehow it just works. Hmm. Yes, I would agree on that one. Sadly, I would have him in the Borough team in a heartbeat. Um. So we've had a Chelsea win. We've had a draw. I'll go for the Villa win then. I've got two-one Villa. Watkins and Douglas Luis to score for the Villa. I've also got Palmer to get the Chelsea goal. <laughs> Andy, how would you see this one panning out for your new boys in blue? Uh, a two a two nil win. Goals from Sterling and Palmer, same as Matchell. Sterling and Palmer getting an awful lot of love on the podcast. Our third and final game of the week takes us back into the Premier League and takes us to the side of the River Trent where Nottingham Nottingham Forest will be taking on Arsenal. Uh, I uh, foresee this being a slightly tougher game than Bristol City and accordingly I have gone for a 3-0 Arsenal win, sadly. 
I've gone for Martinelli, Saka and Ketia to get the Arsenal goals. Andy, what have you got for Forest versus the Arsenal? Uh, just a 1-0 win to the Forest. Let me guess. Does your, um, does your goal scorer have a shavings sort of um, thing to him? Um, I, I have I have been reliably informed that Gibbs White is available to pick for the game. Well, so I have selected said Gibbs White. Let's hope he's back in the team and, more importantly, back amongst the goals. Stew. I have got a, a Forest One Arsenal Two outcome on my sheet. Uh, I've got Dominguez for Forest. And Has been amongst the goals recently, to be fair. That's not a bad count. And uh, for us, I have got Odegaard and Saka. Odegaard, very much the complete opposite of Dominguez in that he has not been amongst the goals recently. Was your second goal scorer Saka there? It was, yeah. But we know why I've picked Odegaard, because it's that rule that we always discuss of if you're in shit form and you haven't scored for a while, come and, come and see one of our teams. Definitely thought you were going for old boy rule. I was like, I must have missed when Martin Odegaard had that spell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last, last, uh, last uh, prediction of the week, uh, Matt. Give us, uh, give us your thoughts on Forest versus Arsenal. I've gone for a three-one Arsenal win. I just think the the Africa Cup of Nations has hit us particularly bad. Um. The uh, Ivory Coast scraping through is a bit of a disaster for Forest because they've got three. We've got three players that are with them. Um, but yeah, so I've gone Dominguez to score for Forest, Jesus, Saka, and Martinelli to score for Arsenal. Yeah, I think there'll be a level of revenge. They seem to have, obviously they gave Palace a paste in at the weekend as well. They certainly did that one. Because I, I did watch that game, it almost seemed as if it was a bit inflated. Martin only got two in injury time when uh, Palace were a bit on the ropes, but yeah, Palace don't look good at the minute. So hopefully, if Forest can play them at some point in the near future, they might be able to pick up some points. But I think they are upcoming. I think mm. that puts the end to our predictions, gentlemen. Um, there is. No transfer news from a Middlesbrough perspective. Has there been any incomings or outgoings at the City Ground, Mr. Moore? Emmanuel Dennis. I mean, it's been presented as he's signed from which the club that he was in, in Turkey to Watford. But I'd read somewhere else that his loan had been terminated at said Turkish club and he was on his way back to Forest. And we sent him right back. It's kind of gone. It's like he's just done a complete reverse. They sent him back to us, and we've gone. Ah, you know what, mate? Just keep on going back to Watford because just we don't we don't need it here anymore. So he's gone to he's gone to Watford for the rest of the season. So yeah, that that's the only outgoing. There's been like some fringe players. Ollie Hammond has joined Oldham Athletic. Um, but that that won't be very much because he was. In and around the first team, but not not properly played.
playing. So if they've got a hundred grand for him, I'd be surprised. Fair enough. Uh, which leaves us with uh, Hull C, who uh, I'm re- I'm reliably informed have made uh, an addition. Yeah, um, we for some reason are storing up goalkeepers. Um, we have signed a brand new goalkeeper. Um, the it was well, it was a few days ago now, but um, the official release says Hull City are delighted to announce the signing of Croatian goalkeeper Ivor Pando or Panda, depending on how you pronounce it, P A N D U R, from Fortuna Sittard for an undisclosed fee. Uh, he's a 23-year-old Croatian keeper. Um, played in Italy uh, as well as his home country. Um, uh, Eredivisie was his last his last team. Where he was at the Dutch league. Correct. So yeah, he's he's been he's been around a little bit. Um, according to the the release, is somebody who Rossini has been looking at for. I quote. A long time, um, but that means we've now got also Ingram, uh, Timothy Lotatala, and a, a, one of the youth team guys, um, and Pandor. So I, I would suggest this possibly opens the door for one of those to leave. Um, obviously, my money would be on Ingram. Which he'll be one one of the club's probably longest serving players at the moment. I would suggest. Um, however, been as he is a goalkeeper and um, he, well, he, he's it's always been Ingram's been a decent shot stopper, but crap at distribution. And obviously now that the, the, the team's going the way it is with Rossinia and everything has to be played out from the back, that kind of puts him on the back foot straight straight off there. Um, but seemingly this season, when we've needed uh, Ingram to step in and step up, even his shot stopping has turned from shot stopper to um, headless chicken flapping around like an absolute lunatic. So um, it, it's not it, it's not boding well for the lad. I, I would suggest he will probably be out somewhere by the end of the transfer window now. Watch this space. Um, I, I, we don't normally talk about uh, rumours, but I will mention this one that came up today. Apparently, uh, this is whole based as well. Um, apparently, they're in uh, they're in talks to sign Ryan Giles from Luton. Uh, that name should be familiar with people who listen to the podcast last season. That was the that was the left back that Middlesbrough had on loan from Wolves for the season, who uh, contributed what could only be described as a metric fuck ton of assists. So. Um, would uh, would probably uh, tick two boxes for Hull there, as I believe you have uh, on numerous occasions on the podcast been crying out for a left back. Yep. I mean, th- there was a point when the goalkeeper signing was announced that I did wonder if he could play at left back just in case. But um... so watch your space. Obviously, if that one goes through, uh, you uh, you can come to uh, yours truly for a bit of a. Uh, Insight into what you might be expecting from young uh, young Gilo, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, <coughs> anything else to report, ladies or gents? In that case, as usual, thank you to these three gentlemen for joining me to take you through the goings on at their clubs. Join us again next week, where we'll tear it all down and go through it all again. 
but until then, take care of yourselves. Make sure you look out for each other. And we'll see you in about a week's time. Tatty bye for now. So there you go, what do you think of that? Another one done, another one gone, another week of games gone, another week of games to come, to look forward to. Absolutely. Before we go, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. Leave a review where you can leave a review. And uh, check out the website, thecookiecast.com. There we've got social media links and an email button, and that way you can get in touch with us. That's it for this one. Till next time, I'm going to say bye. And I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to these grumpy old men talk about football. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share and subscribe.